Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, all you geeks out there in geekdom. Welcome to episode 284 of Geek Soul Brother and the Nerdy Venoms. I'm Geek Soul Brother, and I'm putting the funk in the final frontier. We had the pleasure of having with us as a guest, uh, Joseph Malasi. He is the creator of Dark Matter, the TV show on sci-fi. And he's also been the executive producer and writer of Stargate, Stargate Universe, uh, Stargate Atlantis. Him, him and his uh, partner, his uh, writing partner, which he talks about, Paul uh, Mooley, they came up with a lot of ideas for Stargate and Dark Matter. Joe talked about uh, his writing process. He talked about things that he loved uh, for first season Dark Matter. A couple little things coming up in season two. Not spoilers, but you know, just little tidbits to uh, whet our appetites. And um, talked about his experiences of writing for Stargate and and just some some uh, advice for young writers out there. So definitely, I hope you guys enjoy the interview. It, it ran long, but it was very interesting. I, I'm glad it ran long. I hope Joe comes back. Also, me and Toby Wan gave a review of Warcraft. Uh, I gave a review of Conjuring 2, which I liked. I liked them both, actually. And then we uh, topped off the show with some nerdy news. Other than that, um, hope you guys enjoy the show. Find us in iTunes and Stitcher. Rate, subscribe, leave a comment. Really appreciate a comment about the show. Also, find me on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and definitely YouTube. Putting up reviews on YouTube, so definitely check that out. And if you want to catch us live, just tune in on TalkShoot.com. That's TalkAndShoeThatYouWear.com. Tuesdays, 10 p.m. Eastern, or second Thursday of every month, We've been featuring the comic game money, so check that out. Other than that, hope you guys enjoy the show. Just watch out for the language with the kiddies around uh, 18 or older. Be cool. It's an adult show. And uh, hope you enjoy. Peace. Uh, Joe, I'm, I'm Geek Soul Brother. Yep. And uh, I'm glad you came to the show. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you I- for inviting me. With me are my nerdy venoms. It's from uh, it's it's a rip from uh, Five Deadly Venoms Kung Fu movie, right? And and uh, it's several of us on <laughs> several <laughs> of us on the show. But um, two Canadians. But we are many. Two Canadians. Yeah, two, two Canadians. Canadi- well, well, one one migrant Canadian. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he's now Jay, nationalized. They he stole can suck him. it up. JD, JD's like, you're not even gonna give him that. We, <laughs> we, we, traded, him. <laughs> we traded, we traded him for Drake. We're good. <laughs> I don't know whether or not to be offended by that. <laughs> it could be worse. We're gonna trade you for Bieber. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that would be. Yeah, that would be offending. Trade him for Ted Cruz. No, oh god. No, so, we trade so Sneaky so on brother. for Ted Cruz. <laughs> Stop. Geek So Brother will introduce each of us shortly. He promises. Uh, yes. 
Yes, I always I always introduce my nerdy venoms for for new listeners, and of course for you, Joe. We'll we'll introduce and please hold the uh, hold the music. So <laughs> hold your music intros and just let's uh, say hi Go to uh, hi to Joe. Uh, um, uh, Joe, we we have uh, we have uh, they're all nicknamed. We have the private. Mm-hmm. Hello. We have uh, JD. Hello. Hello. We got Toby Wan Kenobi. I was gonna sing to you, but we gotta hold our music. <laughs> yeah, hold the business. <laughs> we just started. So mean. We also we also have uh, M Dog. So we're not allowed to talk about how amazing Zelda is today. No. Well, we can talk about that later. Aww. <laughs> And we also have a uh, uh, Lord Dalek. I have been slandered. <laughs> oh, what now? I don't know. I just been slandered. <laughs> He's so not Canadian. We don't care. <laughs> we don't care. So everybody and everybody that list that's listening, I'm Geek Soul Brother, and we have Joe Malazzi on the show. Did I pronounce your last name right? Uh, Malazzi. What? Close enough. Malaz, I got it. Um, Joseph Malaz, and uh, he is the creator of the newer show on Sci-Fi, Dark Matter, mm. and is is also the uh, uh, has been the executive producer and writer of Stargate, Stargate Atlantis, uh, Stargate Universe. And uh, a whole bunch of other shows that, uh, Joe, you've had a long career, but welcome to the show. We really appreciate it again. Thank you for having me. We love you, Joe. No problem. (laughs) We we love you, Joe. (laughs) Stargate. Thank you. She's already sucking up. (laughs) I don't have to suck up. I love those shows. Let her, let her, let her fangirl, because I'm, I'm certainly going to fanboy over, uh, over your work, Joe. It, it, it's been a, uh, it's been incredible that you've, uh, been able to, uh, produce these shows, help to produce them, help to create them, and, and your most recent, uh, uh, Dark Matters just getting a lot of great reviews from the fans and, you know, from people, from reviewers and so forth. Um, how has it been from your side? How how has the uh, reception been? Um, I mean, always great. Uh, you know, I, I, I was introduced to fandom uh, through Stargate, of course. Uh, you know, Paul and I, my writing partner Paul and I at the time, joined during the show's fourth season. And we were, I want to say, uh, unprepared, but um, certainly not expecting the mm-hmm. uh, fan response and how passionate fans are. And uh, it was certainly like a double-edged sword that, I, uh, you know, something I learned in you know, Stargate, where, you know, if you did good, if you did what fans uh, enjoyed, it was great. But if you made certain decisions that they didn't agree with, uh, right. you know, the sword could strike back the other way. Uh, but, I mean, it's all part of fandom. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, and, you know, Dark Matter, we only have one season under our belt. But, um, you know, hopefully there'll be more passion to come. Yes. Oh, I'm sure. I, I'm mm-hmm. sure it's going to come. I, I know. I know uh, myself and everybody that's been uh, uh, keeping up with the show. We've um, 
don't know. We we we're definitely looking forward towards uh, season two. I know Thank that cliffhanger. Oh, yeah, God. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Yes. No, I loved season one. I'm looking forward yep. to season two starting date. Can't wait yeah, to see what you do with Anthony. <laughs> Can't oh. wait. Oh right, right. Huh? Um, so Joe, what um. I want to ask you, even before we get into dark matter, I just want to touch yeah. a little bit on Stargate, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. What, 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 did, did the Stargate ring? Was that your muse? You, you, you wrote a lot for Stargate. You helped to create the franchise and stuff. Did it, did it, uh, speak to you in a certain way? You know, one of the things I loved about Stargate that we do on dark matter, uh, is it's more of an ensemble show, one, uh, mm-hmm. and two, it has a sense of humor, which is something that, I mean, it, you know, not everybody, every episode was necessarily funny, but certainly there was an undercurrent of humor that I always felt helped humanize the characters and allow the viewers to kind of connect with the characters. And frankly, it's fun to write. And, you know, you see it in, in like a run through all three Stargates, maybe to a lesser extent in the universe, but it's still there. Um, and, and it runs through dark matter and it's just the type of stuff that I like to write. And it just kind of clicked. It's, you know, it's funny. I mean, you know, Paul and I joined in Stargate's fourth season and, you know, we were told, well, you know, it's going to go five seasons and then you can go on and, you know, work on other stuff. And then we got the sixth season pickup and the seventh season pickup and the eighth season pickup. And every year we expected it to be the last. And so we would, you know, create these finales. And then every year we'd get picked up until season 10 when I don't know what I was thinking, but for some reason I was sure we would get picked up. And that was a year mm-hmm. got canceled. So, right. <laughs> I mean, but there's so few. I, you guys have done something that's so rare. Um, there, there's so few TV shows that go for 10 seasons. And sure. much more rare is to have a science fiction show go for 10 seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, you know, a lot of that, I, you know, I, you know, I mean, sure, it's the writing, but it's, it's, you know, the, the crew, the cast, I mean, as you know, the cast on all three uh, shows were, were you know, in, incredible. And, and I've done my best to sort of reconnect with some of them on, on, on Dark Matter, like Tori Higginson, who played Elizabeth Weir in Stargate Atlantis, uh, David Hewlett, who played Rodney McKay, and, and more Mike Dopid, who played, I think, like, Three or four different characters over the course of the four, uh, uh, the, the three um, uh, Stargate shows. He's coming on board for season two, and just right. you know, at the end of the day, you like to work with people who are pleasant to work with, and everyone who worked on Stargate was just really good at what they did, really respectful, and just fun to work with. And, and, and I guess it, it kind of shows. I mean, one of the things that the fans always enjoyed was the camaraderie. You know, right. I think especially for SG One, and you know, it just kind of showed that. You know that cast got along really well. You know, off you could tell. Well. Yeah, mm-hmm. you you could tell the chemistry and you guys uh, uh, supplying the writing and, and like you say, the the mixture of drama, some yeah, comedy, yeah. not 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 slapstick comedy, but but natural everyday comedy. Even e- even if you're in a tight situation, you're on an alien planet, and you got a Jafar shooting at you, you can still crack a joke here and there, you know? <laughs> I know you would, right? 
I definitely would. I would be terrible. I would try and, <laughs> I would try and make a Jaffa laugh. That's, that's how bad I am. Like your brother, got to be serious. It's got to But um, and, and I gotta tell you, Joe, the Stargate Universe. I, I know there were mixed reviews there, but I thought it was just a, a fantastic show that really dived into the core of you know, character and, you know, just, just just a situation where you don't know who's going to do what, who's going to be loyal, who's going to betray who. And, and right. it, it, was, it was just a great show. And you had, um, I forget, uh, not, I'm, I'm sorry I can't remember all the actors, but I really, uh, I really appreciated Carlisle, who I loved in, um, right. in 28 Days. Twenty-eight mm-hmm. days later, I really loved him in Stargate Universe. He played just such a um, a complex, yeah. you know, character. Yeah. They all did. It, it was funny. I mean, I remember when we were thinking of uh, casting the role of Raj. We had gone through a couple. Of, we wanted to, you know, bring in a big name, and um, someone mentioned Robert Carlyle because apparently Robert Carlyle's uh, agent approached us about the show, and we're like, well, we're never going to get Robert Carlyle, and we're like, sure. I mean, yeah, of course we'd like Robert Carlyle. And we're like. Okay, and we got Robert Carlyle. And I remember one of the first days he came on, um, you know, he's the character, obviously, of Russia is, is, is Scottish, and, and Car- uh, Carlyle is Scottish, and he says, well, what, you know, what level of Scottish do you want me to do? And then he proceeded right. to rattle off six levels of, you know, um, <laughs> a, a comprehensive, you know, sort of uh, Scottish, and we picked the middle, you know, kind of where it's somewhat, you know, it's, it's fairly comprehensible. But right. when he was, when we, he was, you know, off, you know, offset, and you talk to him in uh, lunch line, half the time I couldn't understand like what word he was saying. It was, he was just talking, right. you know, just normally, but I didn't, you know, uh, I couldn't understand him half the time just because of his very thick accent. Uh, and it's just amazing how he's able to turn it on and turn it off uh, when I, he was on it screen. Was cool. It was cool because here, here was this high-level, like Einstein-level scientist mm-hmm. that uh, that that had this uh, Scottish background and stuff, but didn't didn't really push it. Like you guys didn't push the whole ethnicity thing in that respect, but but he had it with him, you know. Mm-hmm. And he kind, yeah. you know, he used it in in the role and stuff. And I just like Ming Ya and uh, uh, all the other actors, the 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 kid that. Um, uh, the young guy that played uh, Eli, Eli, yeah, yeah, the young guy, Eli, yeah, terrific, terrific actor. All those, all those guys are great. All those guys were great. So I, I personally, just I thank you for some of the storytelling that happened in there. You, you, you know, you kind of had the drama with the destiny. You guys don't know. You guys that are listening. You need to go back and and watch the <laughs> Starcade SGU. Uh, that mm. part where the destiny was heading towards the sun, that was some of the most dramatic uh, television that I've seen, sci-fi television that I've seen in a few years at, uh, at that point. You know, we have Battlestar and all that, but that, that yeah, was yeah. some dramatic uh, uh, piece right there. Thanks. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I do miss it. I do miss the gang. I got one question for you. I don't know yeah. if you can answer it, if you want to answer it, but where where was the show going? Like, Eli, yep. spoilers for you guys out there, but whatever, it's two years, three years ago. So you yeah. guys need to get that. Six years um, ago now, isn't it? 
Was it six what? years ago? Jeez. It's six years. Jesus, that, that's crazy. That's crazy. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> um, uh, where, where, can, you, can you tell us some of the ideas of where the plot might have been going uh, as far as you, Destiny and You, you know, know it, 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 it's funny because, um, you know, unlike uh, Atlantis, I mean, Atlantis, we, we got our um, cancellation kind of uh, late in the game to the point where essentially we had – um, almost a season's worth of stories um, mm-hmm. for season six that we didn't ever get got to tell. And I, I do it like an online daily blog. I've been blogging for like since 2007, almost, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, forever. It feels like, and I cover everything from my dogs to uh, to basically production, a lot of production your, stuff. And your blog is great. Uh, your blog is great. Any, anybody that's interested in TV needs to follow. Uh... Uh, it was like, wordpress.com, right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 so essentially, I, I you know I did a blog post, I dedicated a blog post to uh, to sort of what we had planned for Atlantis. But in the case of um, Universe, it's 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 funny we um, you know we didn't get that far a- a- ahead in terms of thinking about what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I I. You know, throughout, I had like a blog post, and now I'm sort of po- posting these kind of remembrances on Reddit. There's like a, a Stargate uh, subreddit, and you can just kind of right. look it up there. Um, where basically I break down some of the you know ideas that I you know would have loved to to have seen, and you know the idea. You know, there's one version where where um, I mean, you know, when they go into stasis at the end, you don't know how long they're going to be out for. It could be anywhere from two years to two hundred years, and yeah. um, you know, I, I just yeah. you know love the idea of maybe them waking up you know who knows when in the future and the descendants but their descendants who they encounter late in the season have basically become a uh sort of a military force and, and essentially oh, shoot. you know yeah you know become you know and they have to sort of run you know come up against this like you know military uh you know force you know with an armada um then there were other versions where you know things pick up maybe um uh you know you know um one of the things we talked about was the possibility of maybe doing a movie to cap things off, and we thought, you know, it would be great if, if um, uh, somehow Homeworld Command was able to mount uh, rescue off, and we could have done like a, you know, a uh, uh, super crossover where essentially the, the rescue team could have been made up of Rodney McKay and Samantha Carter, and you know, sort of, you know, uh, 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 you know, Telford played by, by Lou Diamond Phillips, and, and have kind of a cross section of Stargate. Uh, uh, characters come in for this one big movie. You know, it, it, it's too bad because uh, that was one of those instances where where the cancellation came as a bit of a surprise because we were kind of promised a third season, yeah. uh, and then that huh. third season went away. So yeah, I mean, I understand it's 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 all about numbers and yeah, whatever and people's yeah. uh you know people's opinions and stuff. It, you you could tell that it kind of came to a surprise, but it. I, I just want to commend you that it really was a good show to take to take the Stargate franchise and put it in another direction and, and kind of mature it, you know, mm-hmm. with with, uh, with with Stargate Universe is really good. And also, I got to tell you, man, um, uh, and for those of you out there that want to write and, you know, want to uh, make up stories, I got to tell you, Stargate was one of the first uh, – TV series or first uh, story arcs that kind of taught me about the escalation of uh, friends and foes that mm-hmm. that come in contact with your main characters. Like you had you had the team, you had a um, 
you had O'Neal and and uh, Tilk and and um, um, uh, Carter, and you had them and and, and um, uh, Daniel Daniel Jackson. You had them as yeah, you had them as a core team, but then they would meet enemies, but then they meet friends, and then they meet bigger enemies and bigger friends, and it was this cool type of back and forth escalation that you kind of put into the story that kept me going. And I know, you know, a lot of other people, of course, because it, um, you know, got 10 seasons. (laughs) Right, right. So we're heading towards pitching your uh, Stargate fan fiction there. Hey, look, man, if I wrote some Stargate fan I'm trying to write real stories. I'm (laughs) trying to write some stuff. But, uh, yeah, I would love to. Yeah, I would love to see some fan fiction there. No, but it, it, it's it's really cool to see. You, you know, those were, Stargate was one of the first story arcs that taught me that in order to make things interesting, have them meet, you know, bigger and bigger foes, bigger and bigger right. friends, and kind of have them going in and out. Is is that kind of like your strategy, or did that? Well, just to be come? honest, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, after you know, uh, four seasons you got to raise the stakes and then, you know, you, you have to continue to raise the stakes. And, you know, once you get to season 10, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it just, you're always trying to sort of talk to yourself and, and, uh, you know, you know, one season we blew up a sun, you know, or we blew up, you know, sort of the fleet of the process's ship and we blew up a sun and, yeah. and, uh, you know, we, uh, we threatened, uh, earth countless times. We threatened our reality a couple of times. Right. And, uh, it was always a lot of fun, a lot of fun. It, it it really was a fun show. Tell me something. Uh, um, did you did you meet uh, Paul Mooley? Is his name? Did you your writing Mully, partner? Yeah. Mully, yeah. Did did you re, did you meet him on Stargate or how did you guys uh, connect? Uh, we met in a creative writing class in college, and uh, hmm. and um, we uh, he was actually going off to like a study, maybe being a professor, and I was actually uh, going away to. I don't know what I was going to go, uh, go into. And then I, I suggested we just co-write a script together, and then we end, end up using that as kind of a launch point, and it, it basically served as a, a sample script that got us the Stargate gig. And then, I mean, he, you know, I, I refer to him as my longtime writing partner, but in reality, you know, we haven't really written that script together since maybe season seven or eight of SG-1. Uh, okay. you know, at the beginning, we would actually get in the room and sort of write together, like, you know, scene by scene, line by line. And then basically as we got busier, because we ended up writing, like, you know, a third of, of each season's episodes, um, you know, we'd each get start our own scripts and we'd, you know, pitch them back and forth. And, and now we're at the point where we, we just write our scripts separately and now we have separate credits. Um, we used to maintain right. sort of a co-write, co-writing credits because I tended to write the originals, and but he tended to do a lot of the uh, rewrites on, on, let's say, other writers which were uncredited. So, you know, out of fairness, we, we, we tended to share the, uh, the, the writing credits, but, uh, right. yeah, long time, long time, uh, friend. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, you can, you can look at the, uh, your filmography and your, you, you know, like you say, your writing credits, your production credits, and, mm. uh, see that you guys were really working together a long time. All right. So, so dark matter. And let me not hold the questions. If anybody else has questions and, and yeah. uh, oh. JD, just uh, keep track of Twitter in case somebody has questions on Twitter. I'm looking for um, them, but I still have questions, and you haven't yeah, let us I, do any go, yet. So. Yeah, I know. I want so, to ask one myself as so well. My go right ahead, question, JD. Shoot. Okay. So my first question is, besides loving 
Dark Matter, and I do, and I love Anthony Lemke on it. I'm so glad you grabbed him. How did you get Anthony to say okay to Dark Matter? He was still, I thought, doing The Listener at the time when you guys... He'd actually finished The Listener, and he he apparently went to his agent and said, get me on a sci-fi series. Uh, Just because, you know, he he, he was just... I guess he had heard about, you know, how passionate sci-fi fans were and conventions and everything, and and, uh, he just kind of loved that realm. And and they said, well, this is perfect because, you know, here's uh, here's a new show that's casting, and he ended up um, auditioning for three. And it's funny, but every other character on the show, um, you know, there, there were, you know, we had our top two, top three choices in some cases. In his case, we saw his audition and we're like, that's three. Um, no one even yeah. comes close. He was, yeah. he was yeah. our guy. And, you know, I told Anthony this in, uh, you know, uh, uh, last season. He's like, shit, if my, you know, if my agent had known at the time, uh, but he didn't, luckily for us. So, uh got a first season one race. <laughs> but he, awesome. he was, you know, fantastic and, and, and yeah. continues to be fantastic. He's, uh, yeah, a lot like his character, a lot like his character in many ways, in a good way. That's, that's he, awesome. He's, what's, what's interesting about him is, is um, he's the first guy, basically you bring a guest on set, he'll be the first guy to basically stand up, come out of his way to introduce himself and basically just chat with them and talk to them you know what you know he's he's a very a genuinely a very very nice guy and of course mm. extremely intelligent since he went to be a lawyer like yes. he was a lawyer and then yes now my second question quickly mm-hmm. will mm-hmm. you do a you know kind of crossover with killjoys i already oh, asked Lord. michelle this michelle, oh, no. Michelle said, no 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 michelle said, well you know we're kind of at two so different we, time we, periods we have so to i got you. to speak to I, Hold no, on. you know I what? You know what? Michelle 101, and I said, Michelle, please, please talk to him. Please I, do a dark Myrtle crossover, oh, please. Boy. And she said, I love, I'll talk to him. <laughs> I love Michelle. Michelle Lavretta is the uh, showrunner, yep. uh, creator of uh, of Killjoys. I, yep. you know, I I, I I met her through uh, Vanessa Piazza, who's the uh, executive producer on 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 uh, Dark Matter, because she she you know was a creator and and uh, you know showrunner of Lost Girl for many years, mm. and. Uh, She's super smart, great. I know that um, uh, our 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 worlds share a very uh, similar uh, a lot of similarities, which is kind of interesting. Um, and the fact that they're bounty hunters and we're criminals really sets up you know a great possibility for a crossover. If someone calm down, JD. If someone approached me and said we'd like you to do a crossover. I would be more than happy to sit down with uh, Michelle and uh, and hammer out a uh, hammer out a uh, a crossover. Uh, Joe, Joe, That's Joe, it. I'm so tweeting who, it out. Who do we who do we take out to dinner? That's all. We do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> who do we wine and dine to get make this who, happen? Who do we <laughs> wine and dine? It's done. It's done. <laughs> no, who do we suck up to? Let's just be honest. Who We're are we sucking up to so we can right get here. this? <laughs> Yeah, we, we, we had Michelle on the show uh, uh, several weeks ago, and really yeah. great guest, really great person. And, of course, we, you know, we kind of mentioned it to her. This, this is all an evil plot. This is an evil right. plot for us to, <laughs> yes, you know, yes. to produce behind the shadows, of course. Um, uh, M-Dog, do you have a question? Yeah, I had a question. I mean, it's, I'm sure you've probably answered this plenty of times before, but I was one of those people who really – 
at the time, I guess I was insulted by the idea of SG one universe. Do you think right. distance, like distance away from it, would probably make like you know like the blow less? Because I've been thinking about re- like watching it and giving it a fair shake. Yeah, I mean, I, I think. I mean, to, to be honest with you, I mean, there, you know, there, you know, at the time, I mean, we were finishing up Atlantis, and uh, you know, one of the things we did with Atlantis was we we did the final year of SG one and the first year or the first couple of years of Atlantis. Uh, you know, sort of, and and we ended up producing like 40 episodes of television, which was crazy for those two years. Yeah. And it was, there was sort of a passing of the torch, but there was no real passing of the torch with Stargate Universe, which was really annoying. I mean, um, when Rad and Robert pitched the show, I mean, they felt that, you know, uh, Atlantis was co- going to be coming to its natural end. And so they wanted to do something different, and they pitched out uh, the show. And, um, you know, the, the buyers were like, great, we love it. Um, you know, it's another Stargate series, and and really they they were somewhat reluctant to sort of um, I guess brand it as a Stargate series because it would have been very different. But the buyers were insistent on it having the Stargate brand, so they were like, well, maybe we can do the best of both worlds. Um, and so that really was the plan. And uh, you know, I Paul and I were show running Atlantis at the time, and we honestly assumed that we would be doing season six of Atlantis at the same time as the season one of uh, Stargate Universe and doing the handoff. And when we got news of the Atlantis uh, cancellation, we were somewhat shocked and said, this is, you know, the optics of this are really bad. I don't know what you guys are thinking, uh, but it's going to piss the fans off. And in fact, it did because the fans basically saw, oh, Stargate Atlantis is being canceled. You're, 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 You're introducing a new Stargate series. This new series is replacing... Uh, Stargate Atlantis, which was never the intent, and uh, you know, like I said, I, I, you know, it, it, I think that hurt it. The fact that you know it, it was very different. I think if you go back now, if, if you've had time to, uh, uh, you know, uh, separate yourself, if you go back, I think I think it, it is you know more enjoyable. It's one of those shows, like frankly, like Dark Matter in its first season. First, uh, the first season of Dark Matter. It's very introspective. You don't really get much about like the macro, the world, and the universe. It's very much about the characters, and and there's these individual journeys and kind of a slow burn in mystery. And you know, like Stargate Universe, you know, you know, the, the, the fans who who couldn't get into it basically said they couldn't get into it because it was kind of that slow burn. But I get a lot of people who actually binge it on uh, Netflix, who right. end up watching it in a week. And it's the same thing with the universe. When they rediscover universe, they're able to sit down and kind of binge it in a week and, you know, and, you know, end up loving it. And, you know, it, so, you know, if you're thinking of uh, going back, checking it out, I highly recommend it. And, uh, you know, uh, I've heard the second season is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, de- it's definitely like, I mean, it's one of those shows like I know, like at the time I was in the wrong just for even turning my nose up to it. But I mean, like, yeah, always... but you, but M Dog, you were, you were of a common sort. Of my, okay, so you're nerds, and yeah, nerds yeah. do that because nerds are so passionate, and and like Joseph said, it's a two-edged sword with us also that we, you know, we love to defend something, we love to talk yeah, about, but yeah. also we will cut it down so quick, prematurely. That's why, Joe, Joe, I've I've. I've created a rule for myself, and again, it's it's because of Stargate, because the original Stargate, I was like, ah, oh, 
you know, I'm not sure about this, I'm not sure about that. And then it would come on either before or after the X-Files. It would come on as an in-between show. And I watched after four episodes, I was like, oh, I'm sold. Stargate is my show. Yeah. You know, and, and that was late. That was years and years ago. And I say four shows. You, you guys out there listening, give a TV show four episodes to tell if you like it or not. That, that is a great story because the first time I saw Stargate uh, SG-1, I saw an episode of Stargate SG-1. It was an episode called Emancipation from, I think, the season one. Which mm-hmm. Brad and Robert made was probably the worst episode they ever produced. But I saw this, I saw that episode, and I was like, "God, I cannot watch the show." And then when I got the opportunity to pitch for the show, I was like, "I can't do it." I, I basically would just, I can't write for a show I don't enjoy. Right. But we were sent a bunch of scripts, and they were really good scripts, and and it just boggled my mind that basically this episode that I just happened to see, I thought was representative of the show, and it wasn't, and and. You know, but you're absolutely right. I mean, three or four episodes. Uh, I'm more of a three-episode uh, guy. But in fact, actually, according to Netflix, three is the magic number for more shows. People will give an episode, a show three episodes, and before deciding whether they're going to stick with it or not. I, I would give it. I would give it three, and and I, I did assume that that was the number for most people. Mm-hmm. But I give it a fourth show because. Now, after the three episodes, now you're finished with all the setup and you're really getting into where the characters are going for mm-hmm. the rest of the season. And that's why I sure. gave four episodes just to know with uh, Sense 8, I had to give a lot more. Uh, 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 <laughs> yeah. That's an example of me being very liberal Dude. with my uh, what? watching I, and whatnot. You had to give that a season. <laughs> yeah, <dude. laughs> If you're dealing with first seasons, though, right? I mean, so many shows, you know, those those first seasons are so rough where basically, you know, things are gelling. And then basically by season two, things really hit their stride and everybody's very comfortable and you kind of know where you're going. So it's, you know. Well, well, tell tell me this. Was it like the first season you were still having to work off the movie? Yeah. Right. Yeah, the first season Mm -hmm. was like Mm -hmm. really still trying to connect to that movie. And it just feels like a vastly different show to what we get at in season 10 eventually. Oh, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Tell me this, Joe. How long, talking about, you know, kind of, you know, going from season one, how long does it take the writers in the writer's room to really get comfortable with a TV show and just get that flow? I, it really depends on the show. I mean, in the case of Dark Matter, um, it was a show that I basically was working on since, I want to say, like 2007, when, back when mm. I was working on Atlantis. And the thinking was, uh, you know, I'm going to sell it when Stargate ends. And Stargate kept on getting picked up and picked up. And one of the nice things was I was able to sort of, I was sitting on the project so long that I just spent so much time with the characters and creating the backstories and everything that when we got in the room to spin that um uh, first season, it was me, my writing partner Paul, and a fellow called Martin Garrow, who is uh, uh, a longtime uh, Stargate uh, writer producer and is now a uh, creator and a showrunner on uh, Blindspot for NBC. And uh, mm. all three of us were in the room, and uh, I just knew what all the stories were. I basically knew almost, you know, uh, every act as we sat down and we broke the stories, and and we broke one one episode uh, a day, and and ended up ended up, uh, you know, just you know, breaking the story over the course of two and a, uh, the season over the course of two and a half weeks. Right. In the case of other shows, um, you know, like, like Stargate, I mean, we, you know, we would uh, uh, sit down in the room and spin, spin ideas and get, you know, toss around ideas for story arcs and character arcs. And over the course of maybe a couple of weeks, we would break maybe 
six or seven stories so that uh, each writer could go off with a script. So that we, came, we came back, we'd have at least you know, a third of the, uh, of the season ready to go. Um, so, I mean, it, it really depends on how well organized you are. And uh, most writers are not well organized, so I would say uh, a lot of time then. Well, they're artists, so. <laughs> right. right. It takes time. It takes time. Mm. So, um, uh, well, until they get to your level. And then they, right. <laughs> then they're just coming out with great shows one after another. So, what for for the listening audience and out of your words, what's Dark Matter about? Uh, well, uh, very simply, it's about a group of people who wake up from stasis on a ship uh, with no memories of who they are, how they got on board, and uh, the very immediate realization that they were very, very bad people in their past. And they are faced with the opportunity to start over. And um, the series essentially asks kind of that age-old question, are you, know, are you born bad or are you a product of your environment? And um, it's a different answer for each of the characters. And it's something kind of we've been feeding in uh, throughout those early stories. And you kind of see where each of the characters kind of gravitates. Um, you, know, it's a, you know, it's a journey of redemption for all of them. And some will you know, succeed and some will fail spectacularly. But, uh, you know, you know, seeing how they get to the end uh, is, is, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, it, it, the first season was so fun because you had a reveal in every episode, whether it was about the character or whether it mm. was about the world around them. And uh, that's what kept me going. And also, like, you might have you seen the whole... Um, uh, you know, waking up with no memory and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. But th- what was interesting about the show was before this group on the Raza could even question who they were, they were put into a situation of, oh, you guys are mercenaries and you got a job to do and, you know, go do it. And it was like, oh, shoot, they didn't even have time to find out mm. who they were or anything. And they're literally plunged into this corporate, militaristic, you know, space situation where they have to, uh, you know, this society where they have to make decisions that their lives could depend on, and they don't even know who they are. And that's, right, right. that's what caught me. That's what caught me. I'm sure it caught a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, the, the watchers also. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a fan of, like, the cable shows where, you know, stuff happens every episode. You know, I can't stand, uh, you know, you're sitting there waiting for stuff to happen. Like, I mean, Game of Thrones, wow. Uh, you know, Breaking yeah. Bad, you know, Sopranos is also not a favorite, where basically you're sitting there, you know, with one eye on the on the clock, you know, right. thinking, oh, my God, only five minutes to go. And then, you know, you, you leave, you know, you end with that, you know, sudden twist or turn or revelation that basically has you going, oh, my God, I can't wait till next week. And that's the type of show we set out to do. And season one was very much about the characters and the revelation. And season, I'm oh, sorry, season one, yeah. And then season two is going to be, you know, we're going to continue uh, delving into the characters' backstories, but we're going to sort right. of start reaching, you know, reaching out, making them more, as the executives like to say, proactive and going out and sort of like, you know, kind of, uh, you know, making a statement, if you will. And yeah. You know, I can promise you that the season two uh, twists and turns and surprises are going to be a lot bigger, a lot more shocking. Um, you know, I said in an interview once that, uh, uh, you know, season two is going to put the dark in dark matter. 
Uh, yeah, I have a feeling that, that season two uh, will not be without its uh, controversies. Nice. Nice. We need controversy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I did have a question from one of our listeners um, about Shoot. Dark Matter specifically, and they yeah. said if it's a spoiler, feel free to like you know shut them down. Uh, he was wondering, or they were wondering, it's the Seventh Matrix. They're wondering if there is other intelligent life besides human in the dark ma- humans in the Dark Matter universe. Hmm. Um, that question will be answered possibly in season two. Ooh. Ooh. Nice. <laughs> Way to go, Seven Matrix. You just created a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, you just Seven Matrix. You know, a possible spoiler. A possible spoiler. You know what else, Joe? Is is, is the uh, some of the technology in there? One main thing in season one, you introduce the idea of white holes. Yeah. Nobody knows about white holes. Now, me being the old geek that I am, I had gotten a book. Yeah, Toby Wan knows. I had gotten a book when I was, I think, in junior high school. I had gotten a book. I think it was called, I think it was called White Hole. It it was either called Black Holes or White Holes, but a large section of it was dealing with the idea of White Holes, dealing with the idea of a black hole having to have a a polar opposite, being the White Hole. You know, and you incorporated that in season one, and I was like, "Ah, oh, they introduced a white hole, and it's a weapon!" Like, like I just, I was like, you know, I was fangasming all over because I was like, "Here's something from my childhood, and something mm. that really people don't talk about." What made you introduce that? Um, uh, and, and I'm sure it's going to play a bigger role, but that particular science. What made you introduce that? You know, I, I have to give uh, credit where credit is due, and that is my writing partner, Paul Molly. He is really Mr. Science and Mr. Physics. And originally we thought, oh, it's going to be maybe, you know, it's like a black hole bomb is what I pitched. And he's like, and he thought about it, and he's like, you know what would be cooler? A white hole bomb. And I was like, no. that would be cooler. And so he basically broke it down for me. And, and uh, you know, he's, uh, he's really amazing in that capacity. He's like really, I mean, Mr. Logic in the room on Stargate, which is why basically right. it was almost impossible to ever write a, a time travel story because you could always pick it apart, but just very science-minded uh, in that respect and, and just chock full of great ideas. Yeah, you can't do a black yeah. hole bomb because uh, Godzilla already did it. Right. <laughs> Godzilla. <laughs> no, it, 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 it was just refreshing to see uh, uh, other theoretical sciences introduced. So, so fa- slow clap. To Paul Mooley, he thank gets you. A, thank he, you. He gets an applause. <laughs> he definitely gets an applause. Um, uh, Joe, what came first, the comic, the Dark Matter comic, or or the uh, or the story, or, oh, the, or the, like the pit? Definitely the. I mean, I had the idea for the script for the longest time, but I got my start in um, animation development, and I sort of as animation sort of manager of development, I would sort of develop shows for uh, you know uh, for animation kids you know, Saturday morning stuff. And uh, I knew that that basically, and, and it's true not just of animation, but any, you know, TV producer or film producer, unless you're J.J. Abrams, it's next to impossible to sell an original idea. It's, it's mm-hmm. really, really tough. But they, right. you increase your, your chances significantly 
if you present them with an established property. Because then they think, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, well this is this is a proven property. So essentially, I ended up approaching Dark Horse Comics about uh, transforming the script or the what would be the first two episodes of the series into a four issue uh, opening uh, comic book arc. And they loved the idea with the intention of basically going out and sell, sell, selling it and setting up the TV series. And we did, and they collected those four issues into a trade paperback, <laughs> and then they, they they ended up using it as a as a as kind of a visual selling tool, right? I mean, so basically, it's all laid out there on the pages. You don't have right. to imagine what what it's like. This is this is what it would be like, and uh, and that ended up selling, uh, you know, setting up the show. And then, of course, when it came time to casting, then I mean, basically, it was like you know, we we just you know open, open, you know, things up. I mean, basically almost all the characters or, or a majority of the characters were open to, uh, you know, obviously all, you know, all ethnicities, all genders. So in the, uh, in the comic book, the Android was male, uh, mm-hmm. ended up, uh, we ended up casting female going with Zoe Palmer, who basically is fantastic. Oh, she's uh, awesome. just amazing. Um, you know, uh, the character of four, for instance, we were, you know, we, we, it, 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 it ends up being played by, uh, Alex Malari Jr., but we were thinking of going female for four as well up to a certain point. The, you know, the one and two, uh, were a male and female and we, we just ended up, you know, having, happening to go with, with, uh, with Alex. So it's just interesting to see how, um, uh, the show developed from the comic book or what I envisioned in the comic book anyways. I hear I, I hear that several from several different writers that they, you know, if, if it's taking time to pitch or or if they had a uh, particular story that they've been brewing for a while and developing that they, you know, picked a comic book type of format as a or graphic novel format yeah. as a uh, you, you know as a choice as an alternate choice. Um, uh, it, it, is that something like that you would suggest? For like young writers out there, or writers that are just getting into the game to, to yeah, you know, I mean, find somebody. Yeah, right. I get a lot of those questions. I mean, basically, how to break into the business, and and um, I mean, there are multiple ways to do it. I mean, one one of the most, well, I mean, common ways, the one that basically they always advise you to do is is uh, put together some sample scripts. And I was mm-hmm. I was always advised, you know, write two, one for a, a, a an established show. Pick a show you like and write an episode for it, and so you demonstrate you're able to, you know, understand the tone of a show, the tone of the characters, and, and mm-hmm. show up that way. And then, you know, an original because you never know. I mean, people will think, you know, maybe read your script and think, you know, this guy has great ideas, or this gal has great ideas, and and um, and and is a great writer. But I mean, I got my start in writing for animation, and um, you know, if, if there's always that possibility, I I always strongly urge writers to uh, look into it just because uh, animation companies tend to have a higher turnover. They, they, they tend to uh, need writers a lot more. Uh, they tend to be more receptive to new writers. And frankly, the art of writing for animation is not that different than writing for probably any show. Um, you know, in terms of formatting, it's, it's, it's the same. In terms of, I guess, structures, it's, it's um, you know, act structures, it's different just in terms of the writing time. But, you know, you, you get to hone your craft. You get to, uh, you kind of teach yourself to um, uh, write in a visual way. And uh, you also get paid for it. So, I mean, that, right. that's really the best advice. And then, yeah, in terms of if you want to try to set up, set up your own series, you know, if you, if you can write a book first, 
if you can set it up as a comic book first, something, you mm-hmm. know, I, I prefer the comic book. Or maybe a web, web series or something. Yeah, yeah, something that you can show, you can, you can bring in and show them, uh, mm-hmm. you know, dazzle them. Uh, right. Speaking, right. That's good advice. I like that. I, I don't think I've heard that before, uh, try yeah. animation to break into, you know, just a whole writing game. That's Speaking great. of uh, animation, did you, you didn't have anything to do with the Stargate cartoon, did you? I did not. Yeah, thank God. Stargate, that just sucked. <laughs> Stargate Infinity. No, no. Actually, oh, I, God. I did have like a, uh, a, uh, a set of videos that were sent to my office but I never got around to actually watching. Uh, uh, yeah. I think so. everyone who watched that wondered how the hell this even connected to Stargate. That show was an insult to everything. <laughs> wow, so passionate. There's a double-edged uh, word I was talking about earlier. I do have to mention something I saw in your credits. You worked yeah. on the Little Lulu show. I loved that show because it aired on HBO here in the States. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, actually, you know, like I said, I got my start in animation and, and I developed a lot of shows. So basically, uh, um, Little Lulu, I did a show called Caillou. I did a show called uh, well, the Paddington Bear, which is very different from what I'm doing now. But, uh, you know, I mean, it, 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 it was a great, um, you know, stepping up point. God, I, I know, okay, I know I, people still watch Kylo up there. I mean, yeah, I had a question yeah. about Caillou because it always seems to get a uh, a reaction from people who have to watch it, and I think it's usually because it's parents. Caillou <laughs> seems like a terrible person. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, incredibly selfish and uh, dare I say childish. <laughs> yeah, because like I have never like anytime I've mentioned Caillou, like the reaction in people is like visceral, and it's just like weird. It's like wow, they hate this cartoon. <laughs> yeah, the kids you know, love it. You know, love it though. Well, what do you expect? I, the kid is bald. I, He's evil. Yeah, <laughs> I I've always liked bad people, bad characters. Okay, <laughs> basically, I uh, bad girls, bad characters. You know, James Bond villains. Uh, you know, I always rooted for the James Bond villains. I was, you know, so damn stupid at the end. Uh, just shoot him, for God's sakes. Uh, and, and, you know, but I, it, that's why basically, you know, the characters in Dark Matter, they're all, they're all bad people. And it's funny because in the first season, as we begin to find out a bit about them, you know, we, we, we shed some light on, 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 on those characters. I mean, at the beginning, they, they start off very much as kind of these, your, your archetypes, right? And, and then when, as you begin to kind of, peel the onion on them, you realize that there's a lot more, you know, beneath the surface. Like, after the first episode, I was shocked by how many people hated Anthony's character, three. Like, they hated him, and I was like, oh my god, what have I done? And then basically, once we get past episode seven, where you find out a bit about his past, when you actually shed light on him, you know, suddenly, he's a fan favorite. And, right. and yeah. you know, I, I just, I, I love kind of rehabilitating uh, the villain to a certain extent, but also you know, there were fans who were like, "Oh, this is you know, basically they they start off as as hard ass villains, but they, they're but they're all turning out to be like nice people." And I'm like, "Well, actually, if you chart four, played by Alex Molari uh, Jr., his character's progress, you realize there are there are you know he is he's kind of a you know a a very uh, I guess loyal and trustworthy character, but yeah. not a particularly nice guy. I mean, he mm. runs through his mentor." And, uh, you know, just you wait till season two is all I got to say. We can't wait oh, till season look. two. That's the problem. We're going to have to, though. <laughs> hey, look, it's just around the corner. It's July 1st. 
is just around the corner. And as far as far as number four, like his his backstory with him being royalty and you know this, yep. this corporation and 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 like you say the 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 uh the focus on ethnicity, <clears throat> you know, in his background and in some of the others and stuff. It's it's yeah, it it is how basically you started off with um, six villains that we didn't know were villains until it was apparent, and we already started liking them and then found out that they were villains. You kind of did the reverse of uh, right, right. the character yeah. that you were talking before. I, like I said, it's a beautiful, it was like, it was like how, much, how, how much do we let them get away with? I'm still going right. to like you, although you're a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, how, how villainous can they become? And, and should we blame them? Yeah. Because they are villains, you know, in their so-called pre, you know, erased memory life. They are villains. So how much are we going to get them? How much are we going to forgive them for doing what yeah. they're doing? But Dark waters. Yeah. Dark waters. <laughs> well, Dark matters okay, is a different Mark, show. This is Dark you can Matter. Do- <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm just saying yeah. their darkness yeah. matters. Catch them. Their darkness matters. Yeah, <laughs> there you go, Toby. One, um, uh, Joe, what did I? You, so you seem to like, you seem to be attracted to the ensemble storyline. Yeah. Yes. Right. Have, have you ever felt that you uh, wanted to do like a, a lone, a lone hero, a lone wolf hero story? No, it doesn't really interest me. To be, you know, what I, I've always enjoyed writing is the interaction between characters. I don't, um, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I, I like group dynamics. I like sort of this, right. you know, one of the things that appealed to me that appealed to so many people about uh, Stargate SG-1 in particular was a camaraderie, that, you know, kind of that, that the idea that basically, this, you know, viewers at home are tuning in to check in with kind of a, you know, their 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 distant family or their second family, if you will, and that's what I thought. You know, SU one was. That's what I thought the Atlantis expedition was. That's what I thought. Um, you know, the crew, the destiny was. In fact, I wrote that scene where they're sitting around the table in, in the very last episode, and 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 uh, you know, uh, uh, Young likens the, you know everyone to like different family members and likens Rush to the crazy old uh, uh, uncle, um, and it's the same thing with with Dark Matter. I think. I mean, you know, kind of that. Crazy dysfunctional family, um, right? Yeah, that that attracts you, right? Right. Yeah. No, I think I, I can see. You know, anybody could see plain as day that it's uh, it, it's something that you're so comfortable with. And I don't know. I, I, I maybe some people have trouble with it or not. You know, I, I guess it's everybody's type of vision and their skill and you know gift yeah. at how they write, but. Yeah, I, I I love the way that you do have the interactions and stuff like that. Jo- Thank you. There, Joseph, do you have point. a oh Joseph, oh. do you have a favorite character from uh, from Dark Matter? Well, they're not like children where you can pick a favorite. I think <laughs> they're all I think That's equally funny. amazing, and I like fighting for them for very different reasons. How about I, a Sophie's Choice style situation where you have to pick <laughs> one? Right, right. Thank you. Yeah. Or if you needed one of them to save your life, which one do you think would do it? Yeah. Which one would you oh, go to the bar I, with? I, I, I think uh, two would, well, I would basically entrust my life to two. I'm with you on yeah, that. Two one. Is, yeah, two is a good choice. Yeah. Good choice. Good good good. So, how, 
how did you guys um how did you guys settle on Melissa O'Neill? Because she's such a great uh, actress in the role. She fits the role, and I, you know, everybody loves it. And her storyline is beautiful. Like again, you're throwing in this science, and it's it's it, it's like nobody was expecting. Not to spoil it, we'll, we'll leave some spoilers for you guys out there watching the show. But nobody was expecting her to turn out to be what and who she right. was. But right. what what um what attracted you to uh, Melissa O'Neill? Because she's been sweet on Twitter. She's been retweeting and you yeah, know she kind is, of checking in and stuff. She is terrific. She is she now she uh, her character. I mean, one of the things that you know you mentioned kind of. Uh, you know, Four's royal background, and you mentioned sort of her. You know, you uh, you, 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 you you kind of mentioned her uh, her background. Um, right. and, and one of the things that I I always grew up with that I love anime and love, oh. love anime. And so yeah. there's a heavy, heavy anime influence that runs through Dark Matter. So, for instance, the whole Four storyline. You know, it's it's basically that kind of sub genre of so you know kind of the swords and space sub genre with the you know, code Geass. Um, you know, my girlfriend, my long-term girlfriend is Japanese. I have a lot of Japanese friends um, here and in and, and in, in Japan who are basically like, oh, you know, do something. You know, uh, it would be so amazing to have a Japanese character or have this anime influence. And and that's what you know, and 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 that's that's what kind of inspired me for his storyline and to a certain extent her storyline as well. I mean, essentially in the book, in the comic book, uh, the character of Two Portia Lin is Asian. But when it came time to cast, we opened it up to you know all ethnicities, and mm-hmm. um, but when when she sent in the tape, this was this is her very first TV job. Uh, prior to that, uh, that she was on on Broadway, uh, right. and prior to that, she had won uh, Canadian Idol. Wow, um, that, that's yeah. what I was reading wow. in her. Those uh, voices yeah. are familiar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and, remember and that. I I saw her audition, and I was like, oh my god. This is, this is her. This is her. And, and uh, you know, other people had to weigh in, but I mean, I, I, I was convinced also that I mean, she, it, it was her. It had to be her, and she was fantastic and and just very strong, just very strong as an actress, uh, very strong as as as, as a character, and, and just right. um, a very strong person, just a, a lovely, lovely uh, person to work with. But definitely has textures to her. Uh to her personality, you know, mm-hmm. she's not strong all the time. She's, she's, you know, she has this side. Um, yeah. She has this <laughs> vulnerability side and, and the, the mystery of who she is and the final reveal, which kind yeah. of jacks her up. Yeah. She, she had one of like the toughest characters to play in that when I talked to her, I mean, I ended up talking to all the, the, the actors who made the, uh, you know, the, the, the callback. And I said, you know, you got, what, the toughest thing with this character is you got to sort of balance, walk that fine line between, um, you know, you're the commander. So you have to be very strong without coming across, uh, you know, bitchy, for lack of a better word. Yeah. But I mean, you have to be uh, sympathetic and empathetic to the character without appearing weak. And, right. you know, and she's able to sort of like go back and forth between kind of the two uh, poles, but never really cross that line. I mean, she's never uh, unlikable. She's never, um, you know, sort of, you know, weak. She, she, you know, she, she's, I think, you know, possesses the, the marks of a great commander, strength and the ability to empathize with her crew. Right. 
and even if it, even if you cast a, a, a male actor, mm-hmm. I I would have loved to. I would want to have seen the same quality. Yeah, you know, there also. So I yeah, I just I just appreciate and and like you say, Melissa O'Neill, she just killed it in the role. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and again, again, this is an example, Joe, of because uh, we we talked to um we talked to Natalie Chidez, we talked to. Uh, 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 Michelle Lavretta, and it seems that sci-fi itself as a network is not only pushing science fiction, but also pushing uh, diversity or allowing it to happen. Yeah, I prefer, to be honest with you, uh, allowing it to happen rather than pushing it, because I think right. pushing it, it feels as though um, you know, you're, you're, you, you've got an agenda, which may, may, not, may or may not be a bad thing. I just kind of reflect I think reality uh, yeah. in the show. So, and and I just find that it, you know, if I say I wanted to cast this type of person for a role, you know, yeah. I, it takes away from the actors. For instance, I mean, Roger Cross, uh, oh. six, he got the role because his audition was amazing, and those scenes yeah. with uh, five, you know, uh, you know, were just amazing, and that's why he got the role. That at the end of the day, is why he got the role. I mean, it's great. I mean, basically, it's it, uh, ultimately, a diverse casting choice, um, and right. it, it, it reflects reality at the end of the day. I mean, it's it's which is which is great. Um, that, that's you know. that's what I feel like. I feel I feel like I feel like you as the creator are having this 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 comfortability in on the network to you know to explore these avenues and mm-hmm. to and, and and to reflect what would be, you know, reality, like you say. And and shout out to Robert Cross, uh, Roger Cross, hardest working man in science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> on every show, yeah. every time yeah. you turn a show on, he's there. You know, I've been following him since uh, First Wave back yeah. in uh, the 90s. I just love his, his and he character. Was also, and he was also on Stargate for an episode. He was. He was. He was on Stargate. Yeah, that's right. So, um, so yeah, it, it definitely Geek Soul Brother and the Nerdy Venoms. We always like to hear about um, uh, diversity in a realistic sense being reflected. Yeah. Our our sisters, our sister uh, um, communities, black girl nerds and black mm-hmm. geeks and tribbles. There, there's a whole community of people of color that are nerds that are passionate, Absolutely. not just. Not your standard, you know, you know, bike kid that's got the thick glasses, and you know, it's just right. a diverse community itself. And we just, we just like to applaud the efforts or, or, or you know, the directions that people take when they go, you know, yeah. and and, and uh, you know, and just basically do that, you know. So yeah, you definitely get you definitely get major props for that, and and the show is the show. Or, Joe, how how long can you stay? Because I don't want to take your time. I, and... I know I got I got time. I, I made the uh, oh shoot. Well, we're gonna, gonna... You know, pack pack some snacks. We're in it for the long haul. Oh, we are oh, here for you. Got to ask him the question. I'm going to put myself out. Okay. No, no. Now, now, you know what? Now we're going. Now we're going to geek out. But first, I first as an intermission, I want to ask you. JD's right. I want I want to ask you a question that I try to ask all guests. Okay. Oh God. 
and and Dalek hates it. He gets so embarrassed by it. Uh, well, it could be worse. It could it's be the a, survey. It's, it's just a question because it's just a question that kind of reflects uh, what people think they can do. And what so, um, what apocalypse do you think you could survive? <laughs> the zombie apocalypse, the robot apocalypse, the alien apocalypse, the vampire apocalypse, or the Smurf apocalypse. <laughs> Damn, that's a toughie. Yeah, an <laughs> alien, we come with robot, vampire, smurf. I've answered this question before. Oh, wow. Uh, no, I'm Even with kidding. the smurfs. Why, like, <laughs> what kind of crazy people do you think I speak here on a daily basis? No, of course not. Well, uh, why people like that? <laughs> I, I think, to be honest, I think it would be the zombie apocalypse. I mean, I've done a lot of research. I, I, I read... Uh, you know, I'm up to date on the Walking Dead uh, books and TV series. I love, you know, the zombie movies. I, uh, There's a lot of material. There is a lot of material. I mean, I, there is a lot of material. I'm very, I would be very cautious. I, uh, you know, I'd never visit London after watching that documentary. What was it called? 28 Days Later? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, I like that. Well, that wasn't actually... Issues. They yeah. weren't actually zombies. I want to point that out for our fans. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, right. They were, they, zombies don't right. die of starvation. Well, you know what? You, you, you know what, Dialect? They were more scary than zombies because those guys could actually happen. Yeah, they so. were fast. They were fast. <laughs> and, and that's the story of it. That's the, that's yeah. the idea. <laughs> so what so what apocalypse do you think you could not survive out of robot Oh, I mean, basically, it, it would be. We're talking about the singularity. They would, they would shut us down. I mean, basically, <laughs> two, two days without internet, they shut down the internet. I'm oh. done. It, yeah. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, you didn't think I about that make cell phone. I wouldn't make it. Every, everybody else says down. Smurf. <laughs> a, a lot yeah. of people do say Smurf. Well, I mean, sometimes you could just be overloved. <laughs> and they're small. They get and they're small. You. And they right. keep singing that same song over and over and over. Yeah, you'd have to <laughs> shoot yourself at that point. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you raised you all raised a very good point. That's funny. I do have a couple of questions, uh, but yeah. let me let me also open it to you know my nerdy venoms also if you guys have sure. questions and stuff. But um uh you said you liked anime. Um yeah. What what uh what really attracts you? What um what what story, what films or you know different um, series do you like? Just tons. I mean, you know, I, I I have a collection, but basically, I have a DVD collection now. This uh, delightfully antiquated DVD collection of like about three thousand uh, uh, anime uh, DVDs. Oh, and I have like a nice. If it's anime. But, um, on DVD, it never goes out of style because that format's like most of the stuff yeah, only on DVD. I get, I get. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it. You know, I, 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 I haven't watched a lot of recent stuff just because once I get into production, I get really busy. But just in terms of, you know, like Cowboy Bebop is just yes. a classic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, yes. of course. Of course. You know, I uh, <laughs> gotta I, have that. You know, I, 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 you know, people, you know, people have said, oh, you know, you, you drew your inspiration from Firefly for, for, for. Uh, for Dark Matter, I'm like actually, if you if you watch Cowboy Bebop, which I think influenced uh, Firefly as well, it's very yeah. much 
Well, uh, in, in that little store, yeah. yeah. Outlaw store as well. <laughs> yeah. And I love the fact that it has a beginning, middle, and end. I mean, that's one of the yes. things I set out to do with Dark Matter. It was, you know, kind of a, uh, a bit of a downer ending. But, uh, you know, I loved it. <laughs> um, you know, other other anime, I mean, Helsing, uh, Berserk, oh. kind of like the darker stuff. Um, you know, my girlfriend and I just watched uh, uh, Samurai Champloo. Um, oh, I love that one. A blast. Love it. Yeah. 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 Right now yeah. myself. Honestly, you said over 3,000. I don't even think you could say anything that would be wrong right now. No, yeah, really. no, you can't. No. <laughs> even if oh. that was your top, that's the top. Like, <laughs> Okay. Black Lagoon. Yeah. You have watched Black Lagoon, right? Oh. Yeah. Oh, I no? love Black Lagoon. See? I haven't seen season one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm right. a huge fan now. I was a fan before. Now I'm a huge fan. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, <laughs> I'm just gonna go rewatch and just just because. I, uh, just because. Yeah, I'm a big I'm a big Revy fan. Yes. 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 Well, I guess I guess we'll have to have a Black Lagoon live tweet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Bring your girlfriend. <laughs> Yo, it's an internet date. Let's get it on. <laughs> uh, no, anime, is, anime has influenced um, so much. You know, yeah. there, there's even even now the uh, Independence Day Insurgent, Independence Day Resurrect, whatever it's called, Independence Day Two. Insurgent. Insurgent, right? Resurgent. Yep. Resurgent. I'm sorry. Um, we're hoping that it's actually Robotech. It's not <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the planes really closely. I'm looking know, at those. I, keep, like, I don't see the separation parts, but, but yo, if those planes transform at one point, it's, I'm done. I'm if they done. turn into mechs, I would go I'm crazy. Yo, dude, I don't even care. The movie could be garbage, and I'll just I'll be yeah. yelling at that one part just like, <laughs> yes, I told you. Yes, I love it. Well, I love it. Well, Star Guest has a ha- has a tradition of working on TV shows based off shitty old Roland Emmerich movies. Maybe he'll be a- maybe they'll do that on the TV series. Oh, <laughs> did you seriously? Oh man! I mean, he made it better. He made it better. Come on, <laughs> the movie's not good. Nobody likes the Stargate movie. Everyone loves the TV show. Oh, the TV show is amazing. It's yeah. How amazing is it? That hey, he took hey, movie- now, first of all, Dalek. First uh, of all. You don't like anything. You can't talk about it. Because I like Stargate. I like Stargate the movie. I, uh, me and my wife, we watch it when we were younger, but still adults, of course. And, and uh, it was a cool it was a cool concept. It just didn't it, it, it may not have reached the 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 you know, the, the level that it could have, the potential that it could have, but I thought it was a cool concept. The whole Stargate itself, you know, yeah. just opened up. And, of course, Joseph here knows you know, firsthand how, how attractive I, that idea was. I did have a question for Joseph related to that. Um, yeah. Have you, I mean, you, have you heard of, like, you know, I guess Emmerich trying to get a, a Stargate movie revival going on unrelated to SG-1? Yeah, yeah any- I mean, um, yeah, you know, it, it's it's, you know, at the time that uh, Universe was in its last season, the um, uh, the makeup of MGM was 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 changing, and sort of the all, all the old guard left. And basically, by the all the old guard, I mean a lot of the people who were really huge uh, Stargate fans and really supportive of us. And then the new people came in, and the show was canceled, and the the franchise went dormant. 
And I think, you know, in, in, in the minds of, sort of the executives at MGM, they're thinking they want to do what, um, you know, J.J. Abrams did for Star Trek, is just reboot it for the big screen. And, mm. you know, I'm, uh, I'd be interested to see how that goes, just because, you know, they were rebooting, you know, a, a, a um, you know, a show that really was, you know, 50 years old. Um, and, and, um, you know, in, in many ways, it wasn't even a reboot. It was kind of a sideways reboot that basically, you know, it's, it's, it, it, you're not actually rebooting the same characters per se. Yeah. I think they were in like, like yeah. a parallel, uh, uh, the parallel time sli- yeah, the, yeah. the time stream. Yeah. So it'll be interesting because I mean, there are a lot of Stargate fans out there and, uh, to just basically wipe away those, you know, reverse, you know, 300, plus episodes of television say, you know, this is Stargate now. Um, it'll, all I can say is it'll be very interesting to see, you know, what the, uh, what the reception will be. Yeah, I think it was on the commentary for the DVD that, like, Everett said he had never even watched the show, show and as far as he was concerned, the, movie, the end of the movie is the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's possible. I would love it. I, I would love it. If they, if they did, like, a Stargate film just either one or just several and kind of you know kind of uh i don't know about updating but like you say kind of bend the story a little bit make yeah. it with the media call that, joe that in be, for that some backup yeah. advice <laughs> yeah the, <laughs> get some get someone who knows how to make like you know good stargate stuff you know <laughs> just saying, just saying. <laughs> let me let me ask you joe about uh a little bit about future dark matter not yeah. not in the direction you're going, but more of a wish list, where would you like to see the show go without, without giving any, you know, spoiler or anything, but if you had, if you had like a, a super budget and, you know, like, like the actors or whatever, well, that I, you wanted to you cast. Felt like spoiling it. Go right ahead. <laughs> to be honest with you, I mean, Jeez. I, I have the five-year plan in my head. And, and so for oh, example, when we sat down or two to season two, I want, I knew what the beginning of the season was going to be, what the end is going to be. Uh, right. Now, even though the season two is yet to premiere, I mean, I just, you know, I'm just watching these finished episodes and I'm just super confident about um, our uh, potential for a third season. So much so that we've actually convened the writer's room for season three and, and actually we started actually on Monday. We're already breaking stories for season three. Um, and, you know, I've got an idea for, for season three and every, every season we're going to basically ramp things up and each season is going to be bigger than the next, you know, in terms of story, in terms of visuals. Uh, right. so, I mean, I, you know, there, there are a couple of big things or uh, more than a few big things heading your way in season two. I obviously can't tip you off, but, uh, yeah. um, it's going to think- be, it, it's going to be shocking. Let's just say basically you want to tune into that season premiere. Oh yeah, because you don't want to be spoiled. Um, uh, finding out about it later, because you will find right. out about it later. You will find out about it. Mm. Well, I'll, I will surely be there live tweeting. Um, Great to uh, the first episode, definitely. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I, I know Joe, you saw uh, my tweets that have been going now that I run. Uh, every Saturday, I run my Saturday Night Sci-Fi hashtag. Yeah. And I, I feature, you know, I feature either an old film, you know, old sci-fi movie or TV series or something new. Maybe it's popular, something in the 80s that was real popular or something current. 
And for this month, be, because I had you and and um, and uh, uh, Miss Lavetta and and Miss Chidez on here, that I figured it'd be perfect to, you know, do do the Saturday Night Sci-Fi and feature Dark Matter this weekend coming. I featured Hunters last weekend. We're going to do Killjoys the, the last week, and I want to I, I want to do that so that we can run into, so that we can kind of, you know, prepare and kind of sprinkle that is awesome. thoughts of of the new series, you know, the new seasons yeah. that are coming out. So that's awesome. But I did I did want to ask you what um what do you think about social media and how it kind of intertwines with some of the sci-fi. Because, again, you said, like you said, they're passionate people that are watching these shows. There are also passionate people that are writing and and commenting in social media. How do you think, how do you think, or how would you like it to see interact in a way that would uh, either help out the show or help out the community? Something you know, like it, that. It's, 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 it's interesting because, I mean, you know, when I first started uh, on Stargate, you know, I'd, I'd be online, of course, and they had the occasional, you know, Stargate forums I would visit. But now, you know, you have Twitter, you have, uh, you know, Facebook, you have Reddit, um, mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, uh, Tumblr, so many, so many places, where, you know, we can go get the word out. And, um, you know, it, I think it's fantastic and it, and it allows, you know, not just, uh, you know, you, 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 the ability to use these social media platforms as 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 a means of getting the word out, getting you know uh, about the show, but also allowing you to connect with the fans and not just right. you, but other people behind the scenes. And it's one, one thing I tried to do on the blog is is you know trying to do Q and A's with the you know the people behind the scenes, like the makeup person, the costume person, and the various actors. There, mm-hmm. you know, a number of actors uh, uh, have already done the Q and A's. They still have to turn. Uh, in their answers at some point. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and Melissa, we're going to do one with uh, Melanie Liebert, who's playing a, a, you know, a new member of the crew, Nick Farper. Um, yeah. We introduced her in the premiere. Um, I, I, I think it's fantastic, but it can be at times, frankly, overwhelming. And uh, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I don't think I've had a vacation since the show started because we, you know, we started, we broke the stories and we wrote the scripts and we rolled into production then, you know, there was post-production where I had to do my cuts and, and the mixes. And when, when that was done, I came back to Vancouver and I just got on social media and it was just endless. I'm on Reddit every day. I'm on Facebook every day. I'm on, you know, on the blog every day, um, just getting the word out about the show. And now basically we rolled into to store, you know, spinning ideas for season three. Um, you know, I'm going to be writing scripts and hopefully we'll be starting again sometime in November. And, you know, between there sometime, I'm going to take two weeks, you know, off to go to Japan um, mm-hmm. but it, you know, it's it just, that's, you know, uh, social media again, you know, we're referencing the double-edged sword of, you know, the passion of fandom. It's the same thing with, uh, social media, you know, there's, there's a danger of being burnt out. Um, you know, apparently Martin Guerra, who, uh, you know, I mentioned he was the, um, uh, showrunner of a blind spot. He, he was kind of like following me, uh, live tweeting, uh, dark matter. And he said, you know, you know, I, how, how long Joe could keep it up. I mean, it's, it, it just, it feels like it's way too much. And then of course, when he shows on the air, he's out there live tweeting and doing the same thing. And, you know, it's just, you know, you, you, it's like, you don't, you, you want to leave no, you know, uh, you know, stone unturned. You want to make sure that, right. uh, you know, if you can basically, you know, get, 
even just one more viewer, uh, you know, it could make a difference. Also because, you know, it's, it's something I kept, I've always said with regard to sci-fi and with regard to Stargate is, is those numbers, those overnight numbers, I think um, don't really reflect the sci-fi audiences because sci-fi audiences tend to be younger, they tend to be more tech-savvy, and they tend to use those alternate uh, viewing platforms, if you will. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. they'll, they'll basically record shows. Uh, they'll stream shows through illegal means or, uh, or otherwise. I mean, I was surprised that apparently Dark Matter um, was one of, like, what was, you know, uh, uh, I think one of the uh, top uh, 15 uh, mostly downloaded shows. And, wow. And, and, it just it's just amazing it's on the one hand it's great because basically people are are you know are watching the show on the other hand it's 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 kind of tough because you rely on those ratings which is why right. basically you know i i wanted to pack the shows with so many twists and turns that that and surprises that you know people want to tune in live so they don't get spoiled right that's 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 the thing that's with the like, attraction right you know? yeah right yeah that's the that's the strategy i mean social media has done so much cuz uh uh, black girl nerds mm-hmm. who, you, you know, we're kind of connected with as, as far as friends and stuff like that. She, I'm sure that her and her, you know, now she's up to like 70,000 followers and stuff. And wow. when, when she starts watching Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder, um, they take notice because when yep. she watches yep. it, all of her followers watch it and they make up mm. their own they make up their own hashtag along with, you know, what the network might be pushing out. They make up their own just kind of, you know, to keep it consolidated within the community. And I, for, definitely those numbers matter on Twitter because, you know, you know, if they're tweeting about it, then the eyeballs are, are zeroed in on the on the live uh, broadcast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, absolutely. You know? But also, but also, that's why, that's why I want to feature it for Saturday Night Sci-Fi. It's after the, it, is, it certainly is after the fact, you know, Dark Matter being on, on Dark Matter being on uh, Netflix and stuff. But, but just to have those numbers and they, and, and I guess you guys get feedback, right? Because you hear what the fans are talking about and stuff like Absolutely. that. Absolutely, yeah. Do you kind of do you kind of fit that in with your? Not that it may affect your creativity, but kind of yeah. fit it in with the tonality or something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you want to say you don't obviously don't take dictation. You you have to listen to everything. You want to be true to your creative vision. But on the other hand, you know, uh, by the reaction of the fans, you know what's working and what isn't working. Right. Um, and so that's something that really you know certainly enters into. Uh, the creative process. Right. And there's really no middleman. It's like you looking at this reaction to your, to, to what you're creating immediately as they, as they watch it and you're getting that feedback. So yep. yeah, that must be, uh, that must be pretty priceless. You guys got, um, anybody got any questions? I, yeah, like I, I said, had, I had a quick one. Oh, just, I wanted to go back to what you had said earlier about, of sitting back watching the the new season of um, Dark Matter coming on and feeling good about it, because um, I know as, as you know writing, do you get to you know you write it and then after that it's recorded and you see it. And Sorry, what? 
Um, and again, told me. You, you, what's your question, man? Basically, you question? write. You're writing <laughs> yeah. the show. It it's recorded, it out, and after that, you get to see you. You watch the show after. You don't. You, you're not on the scene as it's, it's um as the actors are going through it. You get to finish after you after it's written, and then you see what the mm. actors have done with it. Yeah, I mean, you know, for the season one, we had pretty much 13 episodes ready to go. Um, for the you know before the season even started before we you know before we even cast actually and uh, and so we were able to make sort of um, you know kind of tweaks along the way I mean one of the interesting things for instance you know like what you're talking about is you know you you, um, you see how an actor uh, reacts with a certain you know the, the on-screen chemistry with certain with, with certain characters for instance really pops so you want to play with them um, you know the character of three played by Anthony Lemke and the character of five played by Jodell Furland. Um, are such fun characters, but they didn't really have a lot to do together in season one. And so basically, I wanted to write a story in season two that puts them in a scenario where they have to basically rely on each other. And mm-hmm. uh, and so, you know, sort of based on their performance, that's what I did. Um, the oh, character nice. of the android, uh, played by Zoe Palmer, for instance, I mean, she, you know, uh, she was a little more of a background character in season one as written, but the script kept on coming in short, so I ended up writing these scenes for her that ended up becoming, you know, in, in the first part, few 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 scenes, they were just kind of like interesting little throwaways. But essentially, they became very much a a a, a character arc for her, and this realization that you know she may have uh, emotions, and then the realization later on that you know you know holy holy crap, I do have emotions that are they're a result of a flaw in in, in the programming. And it's something that we're going to continue. It's just that, you know, Zoe was just so good at those scenes and so, you know, kind of like it's heartwarming and humorous that you just, it's a pleasure to write for her. And because it's a pleasure to write for her, of course, you're going to write for her more and, and her character, you know, will grow. Yeah. Oh. No, I remember in episode three, like when she goes on that spacewalk and ends up, I think she ends up shut down or something by that uh, pulse. Yeah. And I just remember worrying. It's like, oh, God, she's dead. And it's like, I actually liked her character a lot. It's like, <laughs> she does a great portrayal as, like, you know, looking human, but, like, you know, not being human in the show. It's yeah. like that. And, like, her android portrayal is great. Yeah. She, and it's she, like, she, I was, like, so nervous so that she was going to be dead. It's like, no, don't kill her off. <laughs> <laughs> well, so far, and, so far, so good. Yeah. And dog gets a little emotional at times. I mean, tired characters. He tired. There is one question from the chat. uh, From the chat, uh, Swig seventy seven. He wanted to know if there was any other shows you're possibly working on in the future, if there was any. In fact, in fact, yes, I'm actually working on a. I'm trying to finish off a pilot. Hopefully, by the end of this month, which is a uh, a military sci-fi pilot. uh, Also, an ensemble. Kind of uh, influenced by, um, you know, I'm, I'm an avid sci-fi reader as well, um, mm. and uh, you know, um, just like a variety of different sort of, you know, sci-fi uh, authors, like you know, I don't know if you know John Scalzi, mm-hmm. uh, who, yeah. who's fantastic. I, mean, I was such a, a huge fan of John Scalzi that we ended up bringing him on board Stargate Universe as a as a uh, um, creative consultant. Preview uh, oh. there, uh, but you know, I just. Um, you know, I, I would like to go out and, and, and set up just one more show, uh, very different from Dark Matter. Like I said, it's more kind of a military sci-fi. Um, well, uh, well I can, can yeah. you spoil one thing? Will there be non-human 
In fact, uh, there will be plenty of non-humans. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Now, just for you. Is it something just based off you. of one of Is it something based Thank off you, of Scalzi's books? And will one of the girls be blue? That's for Geek Soul Brother. <laughs> yeah. Or green. Yeah. Hey, hey, Toby Wan, let's not push it. We get an alien. I don't I don't need the blue chicks right now. All right, all right. Uh. <laughs> but um uh you know what, Joe? I gotta I gotta ask you. There was one post that you put up. And it talked about, I think, now I'm paraphrasing, I can't remember words exactly, but you said there were 10 things that you really didn't like, not really didn't like doing, but kind of preferred not doing or, you know, was a struggle for you to do it. And it was, it, it listed 10 things and the 10th one kind of uh, threw me is for it, a loop. Is it, is it eating kiwis? What one of them? Yes, I think that's definitely should be one. I think that was it. And that tenth, that tenth one, I, I, I'm assuming because you wrote it, you remember. Um, can you explain that? It was. Uh, can you say what it was? And uh, off the top of my head, no. When did I? Uh, when did I post it? Whoa, I think I, it? It, it was a while back. It was. Um, I think it was about. I think it was a little over three, maybe three months ago or something, maybe four months ago. And, oh, and you, listed, you listed 10 things and the 10th thing was writing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know what? I'll be honest with you. I, I, I have yet to meet a professional writer who enjoys writing. It is a painful, right. excruciating, lonely process. I mean, <laughs> I love the idea of coming, of, of getting an idea. I hate the idea yeah. of trying to find an idea. I love the idea of getting an idea, being very excited about an idea, thinking about an idea, coming up with, with, uh, yeah. with the ideas. But the act of sitting down, writing, having to get a script in by a certain time, um, right. it's, it's really excruciating. And it's funny because, I mean, I thought I was alone, but throughout my career, as I met people, I'm, I'm amazed by how many people just, it's, it's just a, a tough, grueling, um, process and then you know i mean it's, it's one of the reasons i have tons of respect for prose fiction writers i you know uh, uh years ago um a buddy of mine lou anders who's who's uh you know a nebula and hugo nominated uh editor asked me to mm-hmm. contribute a short story to this anthology called masked which was um an anthology of kind of superhero dark superhero fiction and and you know there was you know uh, gail uh gail simone and marjorie lou and, and a lot of comic book writers and and i agreed to write a short story for for them and um the short story i mean basically it takes me to write to, uh, to write a script it takes me from from concept through outline through you know two drafts it takes me about a month it took me oh, wow. nine months nine months to write that short story and i got paid one percent of uh, of uh, of what I get, uh, you know, for writing a script, and wow. it was it was really the most excruciating. But I mean, it was very satisfying wow. in the end, and and people you know really liked the short story, which is great. But I mean, I could never do it again, and I can't even imagine sitting down to write a novel. Um, it's just you know, I uh, I would I, I should have been a food critic or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> carrots. No, I like I, carrots. You, you know what? You know what, Joe. The 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 honesty in that post uh, gave me such an encouragement. I I can't call myself a writer by by far because I don't write enough. <laughs> but I I do have that, and most of the most of us on this podcast 
are creatives in that respect. Like, we do want to get our stories out and so forth. But that's yeah. so encouraging for you to say, you know, I don't, I don't really enjoy the process or whatever, and and to, uh, to, to, to actually say, oh, if 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 you if if you're in that vein and you're a writer and you're being honest about it, then I can be okay thinking, Absolutely. oh, this stuff is tough, you know, like it like, is. This is tough. It can be tough, very unpleasant. It can be very lonely. Like I said. I mean, you know, but there's that drive, that sort of, you know, like you said, you've got kind of that, that idea or sort of that creative, uh, you know, kind of mojo that basically drives you to, to, to write. I mean, it, 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 you know, there's, 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 there's nothing wrong with not enjoying it, it right. you know, because it, 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 it can be very, very tough. And, you know, all I can say is just power through and, and, you know, you, you become a good writer by, Actually, writing, writing a lot, writing as much as possible. The reason I, I, I've been doing this blog for for so many years is, and you know, I, I never missing a day is because it forces me to write, whether it's you know yeah. like a paragraph here or there or you know something lengthier. I know that at least every day I'm writing something. Right, right. It was just so encouraging because sometimes people feel like, oh, if I want to be a writer, I need to enjoy it. Like you know, I, I need to love it. You know, the world will tell you you'll love it. I, I thank you, Joe. I, re- I really thank you for that uh, for that poster. It was it, it was uh, it was freeing. You know, and like and like I said, I don't write yeah. enough. I want to write more, but it, it it was definitely freeing in my psyche to think, yeah. oh, it is tough. It's, it's, yeah. it's, if Joe Mwazi can say it's tough, then it's tough because he's oh, writing yeah. his ass off. Oh. <laughs> I can play. I can play more than anyone. Oh, well, well, I mean, no, it, it, awesome. I, I do agree with, with with your statement because I I'm writing stuff all the time, mm-hmm. uh, and like I'm at you know, and I'll get to a point I'm like, oh crap, I just wrote myself into a corner because I didn't do any yep. research for this, so now I have to do the research, and then it's like it's a long drawn out process to get just to continue on with the story at that point. Yeah, it happens to us all the time. It happens to us in the writer's room. In fact, actually, just today we got to the end of a, you know, a third act, and we're like, wait a minute. And basically I brought up this point of logic that just kind of totally, you know, brought everything around, ground everything to a standstill, and it's just really frustrating, and it's going to happen when you write again and again. Mm-hmm. That, that's, yeah, like I said, it, it was very, uh, it was very liberating to me personally. So I, I know it was liberating to a lot of people it. out there. I, I just had to hear like how you, you know, how you, uh, how you interpreted what, what you had posted out in the box. So that, that, thank you for that. Um, my, my, my general negative attitude and bitterly complaining, uh, bitterly complaining is paid dividends for someone. Mm. Not like you have a new best friend. Not as dark. Joe, but... um, uh, do you? Um, I'm not gonna hold you. Do, do you ever think about directing? JD, or have you directed? You know, I. It just. You know, sure, I think about it, but I mean, uh, there are just so many great directors out there. Yeah. Um, you know what? We, um, I, I've tried to use it. You know, uh, several of my old. Uh, Stargate crew. Peter right. Deloise came in and did an episode this season. Oh, uh, Andy oh, really? Makita did a couple. Um, you know, season one, he did one this season. Uh, Amanda Tapping, who I'd never worked with as a director before, did a 
great job in season one. She came back for season two. Uh, Will Waring, who's the guy who I worked with back, uh, one of the last episodes that I, I was on set with him was an episode called Harmony in Stargate Atlantis, where we worked mm-hmm. with a 12-year-old Jodell Furland, who played Princess Harmony, who mm. did such a fantastic job that I ended up casting her as five on our show. Uh, oh, she 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 yeah. was with the uh, she was within the uh, the Malazi uh, world since then. Uh, for she she was with you guys since then, Jodell. Uh, no, basically, I, I worked with her. She was a guest star back in uh, Atlantis's, I think, fourth season or fifth season, where she played like a twelve-year-old kind of like uh, um, uh, kind of sulky princess. And I just right. remember. Um, you know, she worked with like David and, and Joe and she knew all her lines perfectly. And whenever Joe or David would forget their line, she would prompt them on their lines too. And oh, I never shoot. forgot it. <laughs> but when we were casting for casting for five, I was like, let's have Jodell audition. And of course she killed it and she is killing it. She's fantastic. Yeah. She's definitely She's definitely one of the hearts of the show, you know, one of the yeah. se- emotional centers. Yeah, and her, her, her and Six's flow is like nice. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up. Joe, you uh you you you've given us an awesome, incredible interview. I really appreciate it. You, you, well, thank you. you. Thank you so, lot so much for inviting me. Thank you for supporting the show. You want to you want to shout out anything or or uh, your blog again or anything you want to blog? Um, yeah, I mean basically it's you know you know like I said I blog every day. Tons of behind the scenes insights on on both Dark Matter and uh, Stargate. In fact, actually lately I've been going through the Stargate archives and uh, updating a lot of like old concept art and uh, oh, wow. uh, you know mm-hmm. photos I found behind the scenes and and uh, you know obviously updating stuff in the art department and and behind-the-scenes photos and screenshots for Dark Matter Season 2. So, you know, just check me out. Do a Google search for my name, Joseph Malossi, and, uh, you know, it'll it's one of the first things that'll pop up. And uh, check out Dark Matter when it premieres July 1st on Sci-Fi. Absolutely. And Joe, you also one, said... Oh, sorry, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, Season 1's currently on Netflix in the U.S., um, and starting tomorrow, Dark Matter Season 1 will be debuting on Netflix Canada for yeah. our Neighbors yeah. to the North. That's enough. Awesome. 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 And this Saturday, oh. we'll be doing Saturday Night Sci-Fi Episodes 2 and, uh, I'm sorry, 3 and 4, because we already did 1 and 2 several months ago of Dark Matter, so we'll be live-tweeting from Netflix. And that's nice because it's in Can- it'll be in Canada also. Yeah, all of our Canadian uh, uh, listeners can catch up as well. Uh, and nice. also, if, if you if you have like the digital band uh, of like a, like your local channels have a digital band multiplex and they carry the channel Comet, which is a MGM Sci Fi thing, they actually are running SG One and SGU. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, they are. That's oh. right. I get Comet here, and I have I've sat down and watched marathons of SG One. Nice. It's probably nice. not well known because it's not common. It's a in many... small channel, but the Sinclair. Um, if you have any Sinclair branded networks in your area, you likely have Comet. So yeah, the best out. thing on there right now. So just yeah, they probably. I think they replaced uh, what was it? Get TV with it. So. Yeah, yeah, they replaced the Cowboy Channel with it. Excellent. That's awesome. Dark Matters for everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
You get dark matter. You get dark you matter. get dark matter. You get everybody gets dark matter. Except That's you, you get out of the Sad boo. <laughs> That's it. Joe, you're welcome to stay. We're going to review a couple films, and that's it. And, uh, you know, we usually do two hours for our regular podcast anyway, so you're more welcome to stay or, you, you know, if you have to go. Again, oh, hey, we, we I'll, I'll tune in and I, I, I look to your movie. What, what are you reviewing tonight? Uh, Warcraft, uh, Conjuring 2, and I think that's it because one of our nerds on, on Netflix. Yeah, we can talk oh, about right. and Voltron. And Voltron on Netflix. Oh, yeah, Voltron, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna review that. Yeah. So oh, yeah, you're like you're you're more than welcome to stay and comment. You know, we we run a uh we run a very conversational show where people can call up and you know, just in general and kinda of, right. you know, talk about things. So yes. yeah, you're welcome to stay and, and you know and call in and oh, in or I, comment or I, whatever. Maybe I'll just yeah, sure. Go go ahead. I'll uh I will uh I will sit quietly on the sidelines and listen. All right. <laughs> yes. Yes, you cheer. are. Cheer if you want. I occasionally the... cheer. Joe, you get level 10 for your geekdom. You're, uh, you're, you're, you're level right. 10 geek. Actually, he's beyond 10. <laughs> I am. He right. so. I, think he's 10, I think he's 10 plus. <laughs> yes, that, he that, talks that, about right geeks. <laughs> that 3,000 DVD collection puts you over 10. Dude, so you're 10 that, yeah, it does. Between yeah. <laughs> that and the anime, <laughs> yeah, even, definitely. Between yeah. that and the anime, yeah. All right, so who saw <laughs> what? Nobody oh, you, you saw it. You want to uh, you you quickly do news? What? News. News or box office or anything? Um, we don't have much time. Right. You know well, I can run down okay. box office real quick. All right. You know what? A quick news. We'll skip the box office because we okay. know Warcraft was number one. Quick no, news. it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It, it came in second. Country 2. Oh. Yep. What was number one? Yeah, Conjuring 2. 2 was. We'll do it real quick. Conjuring 2 was number one with 40 million. Warcraft was number two with two point, uh, 24.1 million. And then Now You See Me 2 was uh, number three with 22 million. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Oh, Conjuring 2. Well, I'm glad Conjuring 2 pulled it out because Warcraft. Yeah, Conjuring has legs. Oh, yeah. Warcraft yeah. 2 bombed in the U.S. I mean, Warcraft bombed in the U.S., but it did incredibly well in China. So that's why they're, they're considering a profitable film. Yeah. 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 That's true. Um, all right. You know what? Real quick. Who saw Warcraft? I Nobody? Saw Warcraft. <laughs> I didn't even, I, I saw... wanted to see movies this weekend. I didn't have any time. So I didn't see yeah. It. I, I ran out of time myself. Yeah. No, no problem. No problem. Real quick. We'll, we'll do a thing on Warcraft. I'll give you guys a, did anybody see Conjuring? No. I okay. wanted to no. badly, but I, <laughs> I wanted I to. I already answered the question. I heard crickets chirping on that one. <laughs> the silence. The silence said it all. That's fine. I'll yeah. give you guys. Silence a will fall. So real quick, Warcraft was actually better than I thought. What about you, Toby Wan? It was, and if you're gonna compare it to like all the other video game movies we got, I think it did rather well. Yes, really good. I think Warcraft is at least in the top ten, if not the top five, best video game movies ever. Yes, wow. it definitely <laughs> should be <laughs> in the top five. Top five, and that's Come not saying that's a short list, though. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's that's exactly. exactly. Yeah, I, see, I'm, I'm curious. What is on that list? Henry, what is <laughs> on your list? <laughs> What'd you say, Joe? 
I'm sorry. Ask, what what is on that list? A top five list. I'm very <laughs> curious. <laughs> I, I mean, um, action. I'm, I'm sticking with Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat yeah, definitely up there. Yeah, that's always on there. Um, uh, exactly. Exactly. And that's it. Yeah. I draw More lines, Dan. I'm about to tell you like this. This is it. This is it. If you think about it, it's going to be Mortal Kombat, and you, you got to really think about all the good stuff out there. Mortal Kombat. It's gonna be what um, Tomb Raider. I'm sorry, the first one. As Tomb Raider. Flick. Tomb Raider's good. It's good. Um, Resident Evil. I'm sorry. No. Those are still Resident good. Evil. Yeah. Still yeah. Good compared to what we get, what we get. If you compared to, compared to compared to Street Fighter. Resident oh, Evil gets Street Fighter or Super or Super Mario Brothers. Exactly. Or Super Mario Brothers. So, so or, the list I, is I don't really know. Told me one. Wing Commander. Wing Commander. No. I like Wing Commander. I would actually throw Wing Commander. We play the games. I would, I would throw it in there. Prince of Persia? No. 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 <laughs> you guys. That does, no. Not, that does not make it. No, like the wow. only other movie in my top like video game movies list would be The Wizard, just because it's the best commercial no, for him no, ever. No, no, not even doing it. And that's why that's why it's room. That's why it's room for this movie. That's why it's room for Warcraft. There's definitely room for Warcraft. So so Warcraft. Starts off right in the, like you don't even know what's happening, and you get thrown into this fantasy world with orcs and muscles on top of muscles and tusks, and they go through a portal and they they're on Earth and they fight knights with magic and you know fathers and sons and people trying to be wizards and people that are just egotistical wizards and magic against magic and and it just is a uh i don't know it's just a menagerie of fantasy that you're thrown in but somehow it's solid enough that it keeps you entertained you have a little bit of twist in there right yeah, not not a big yeah. twist not not not, not dark big. matters not dark matter no, level twist. Near, near dark matter twist. <laughs> but definitely, definitely, definitely had a little twist in there where you said, "Oh, oh, that's kind of interesting," stuff like that. But the 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 acting, strangely enough, the writing was cheesy, yes. but the acting was good. Yes, definitely. That's how I can explain. It. On both writing sides. was cheesy, both but the acting was and. And the, the, the CG actors. <laughs> the CG, that. yeah, the CG actors were good. Like, there was one point where the orcs, right? There were two lead male orcs. And they were kind of talking to each other. I was like, these dudes have some real chemistry going on. Like, they feel like they've been friends forever. Yo, even that and just, you know, the dude, uh, the, the one orc with his family and his newborn baby. And it just... Right. You know? Right. It, 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 and... and and also, Toby, um, uh, you know, this was this got very dark. It, this wasn't Dude, like this went, you know, dark kid, It got dark quick. It got a little dark. Well, by the end of it, well, it got pretty dark. It went darker and darker and darker. You like darker you and darker. I mean, not not horrible, but you know, it definitely. I would say, I would Dude, say, if you're thinking, <laughs> I would say, if you're thinking about bringing kids. You know, I would use some parental, you know, guidance or whatever. But I, I would say, like between, like I don't know, like like give and take around ten years old would really enjoy this. It does have some 
blood. There, there was an orc that crushed the dude's head on the ground Dude, with his hand. So. <laughs> That's another thing I like. The orcs, they were orcs. They were not playing. They were throwing they were horses at people. Like, <laughs> they played through They horses. definitely, they, they would have bitten the heads off of the Lord of the Ring or orcs. No problem. Man, I ain't um, worried about they. They ain't nothing. They ain't nothing. And also, just speaking on diversity again, you have Paula Patton playing like this half-orc, half-human. You know, she did a really great job. I, I think I would think about her if they ever did a She-Hulk in the Marvel Universe. Oh, dude. I, I would definitely yeah. think about Paula Patton. I didn't even think of she that. She did a good yeah. job. Yeah, yeah she witty. definitely did. <laughs> huh? No, nah. It's funny you said witty, but no, I'm still witty, geek, witty. Get um geek soul brother with the the writing. I think is the only thing that really hampered this going a bit right. further. Because I mean, they tried to do the, the 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 comedy moments, and you sat there like, "Was I supposed to laugh?" All right, go yeah. back to the action. <laughs> yeah, go back to the action. So, I mean, it was all right. Like I said, it was cheesy. But for a game movie, I, I would say that this was pretty good. What do you give it, Toby Moore? Um, I'm giving it. Uh, I'm gonna give it a solid three. Uh, a solid four? Three, three. Oh, solid three out of five cosmic afros. I'm gonna give it one notch above X Men Apocalypse. I'm gonna give it a three point five cosmic afro. You gave Apocalypse a three, three. A three point two five. Okay, yeah, I'm I gonna think give I'm... this. A, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give this. A, yeah, I'm gonna go with you because this was a notch above X Men. I enjoyed this. A bit. Is that like the benchmark for this year? If it's better than no, if, if it's better than X Men, we can do this. We can well, do this. we can't use we can't use Superman versus Batman as a benchmark because that would put everything. <laughs> What is this movie you speak of? I've never heard of it before. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, on the other side, The Conjuring 2 was pretty good. I still haven't watched the whole thing of The Conjuring. I watched it a little bit at the beginning. I watched the end. Are you, are you, are you, wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me you have seen only parts of a movie that I have seen in its entirety? But God, like you Early can get so. me sometimes. You you you're, you're a cinema you're a cinephile, so you get me sometimes. <laughs> um, Conjuring two, Conjuring two was pretty cool. James Wan gets a shout out because I don't know what that dude's doing, but he's making PG and I know this was R, but this really could have been rated PG thirteen. And like yeah. And yet, he's taking these PG-13 films and scaring people in the audience. Something about his camera play and how he picks the actors, like the kid actors in Conjuring 2 were great. Uh, I forgot the girl's name, but she was channeling some old, crotchety, cockney, English dude spirit when she was acting as a possessed girl, you, you know, with the ghosts and stuff. And um, it was well acted. I loved the, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, what's his two? Vera, Vera Famiglia. Patrick Wilson. And Patrick Wilson. They kind of upped the level of, you know, like, like the audience liking them or, or their likability because they were, you, you could see that there were a couple that were in it. 
you know, they, they were in it to the end. They were in it for the long haul as far as fighting these ghosts and stuff like that. And they knew that they, they showed you that they couldn't do it apart. They had to be together and they loved each other and they cared each other, they cared for each other. And um, the story was pretty good. It had a little bit of twist in there. Not not major twist, but a pretty good twist in there that, that kind of said, oh, that, that's pretty interesting and whatnot. And I think M-Dog, you had mentioned the Amityville thing. They did a flash forward. Oh, dear. In the beginning of the film, they did a flash forward to show you a story that they're going to dive into later, but they're not going to do it in this film. So this they, was not the Amityville story. So they're going to, uh, did they like basically tease Amityville's going to be a, the Conjuring 3 or whatever it is? They they tease Amityville, but not necessarily as, as Conjuring 3, but definitely as a future story. They they literally like went through the Amityville house in a, like a flash forward and stuff like that. It was kind of like a setup in the beginning of the movie and that was it. So I, I don't know. I get, I give it, um, I give it like a three seven five out of five for being a good horror, good horror movie, not using gore, not using, you know, heads being torn off and stuff like that, but just good you know, good inventive horror. I give it a three point seven five. Not a four because it didn't scare me that much. It scared some of the people in the audience and brothers and sisters were, you know, screaming and stuff a little bit, jumping. But it didn't it, it didn't like scare people, you know, to death. <laughs> so, so that's why I did it. I can't remember what what uh what I gave the first one. I have to go back and watch that episode. Listen to that episode. It's been so long. Know. It's been three years, I, don't know. I think. Yeah, I don't think anybody cares. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> All right, last thing, Um, let's jump into a little bit of news. We'll close it out. I don't know if Joe is still there. I am still here. Oh, you are still here. You are a trooper. You're a trooper, sir. (laughs) You're you're definitely my best podcast friend. No, no. Besides all these these ladies and gentlemen on here. Uh, Let's throw into news and uh, let's close out the show. Take it away, Private. All right, uh, I'll, I'll try to make this as short as possible. Uh, yeah, we begin, you know. Yeah, uh, we begin tonight with the major event that's going on in LA this week, also known as E3. I won't go into specifics because I'll leave it for Thursday's Kamigamani show. Uh, but here are some major highlights. Uh, Microsoft has announced some major updates, like the ability to cross-play between your Xbox and PC, as well as Project Scorpio, which is basically an Xbox One on East German swim team steroids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, meanwhile, oh. Sony announced a ton of really good-looking games, including God of War, Resident Evil 7, a release date for The Last Guardian, and tons of titles for their PlayStation VR Uh Meanwhile, Nintendo, who who uh, chose quality over a thin amount of quantity this, this year, uh, showed a major amount of the new Legend of Zelda games. So, 
Yes, that will save us. Yes. Yes. Uh, for full recap and commentary from the panel that we have set up, uh, check out Thursday's Comic Gamani. We'll go over everything that was shown there. Mm-hmm. So, nice. uh, so far, the summer season has seen a 22 de- 22% decline at the box office. Uh, analysts, analysts are blaming everything from lackluster sequels to not having a real solid summer breakout hit release yet. Uh, to having poor response to well-received films like The Good Guys. Uh, well, my thoughts is that there's just too many damn films. Or just yeah. stop doing remakes. Yeah. I told you a couple weeks ago, this is one of the shittiest summers we've had on record. Yep. <laughs> well, we'll see when the Robotech movie comes out next week. Yeah, <laughs> Transformers. Wait, Robotech. Yeah, anyway, go ahead. Uh, speaking of the uh, speaking of Transformers, do we really do we already know the plot of the next potentially awful Transformers movie? Yes, it's called <laughs> Awful. <laughs> uh, Joe Blow is reporting a rather plausible plot for the film, if plausible meant anywhere between meh to batshit crazy, that the film will revolve around Optimus looking for a relic once in the possession of Merlin to re-energize Cybertron. Oh, well, God. he already got the sword and the stone, so why not? So that's happening. Speaking of batshit crazy, here's some news that will piss off Dalek and M-Dog. Uh, MGM announced today that they were plan- they, they plan to turn J. Michael Straczynski's comic Rising Stars into a film adaptation. Yeah. Mm. So. Yay. <laughs> Not the uh, reaction you thought. I would be more yeah, pissed no. off if they said they were going to turn... If Sony announced they were going to turn Jane Michael Straczynski's comic One More Day into a film adaptation. Well, that's what's going to happen. He just got the name wrong. Exactly. Uh, the voice of Judy Justin has died. Uh, Janet Waldo, who has voiced many of Hanna-Barbera characters, as well as uh, work on radio and a couple of other shows, passed away Sunday morning. Uh, she was 96 years old. Uh, so, uh, well, it ha- in, even though it is not the lead role, Childish Gambino is in a Spider-Man movie. Uh, it was reported earlier today that Donald Glover has joined the cast of Spider-Man Homecoming in an, in an undisclosed role. Uh, this is on the heels of an announcement last week that Kenneth Choi was also joining the cast. So did they switch out for Kenneth Choi? Or... <laughs> for people that caught that one? Uh-huh. Yeah, haha. Uh-huh. Uh, some other quick news. NBC Universal plans to revive the Shrek franchise as well as put out Four animated films a year. Wait, for oh, Shrek? No, yeah. No. Well, uh, well including Shrek, yes. Oh, well, including yeah, Shrek. Including <laughs> Shrek. <laughs> right, that works. Uh, speculation is being made that Season 5 baddie of for Arrow will be the Spectre between the recent casting sheets uh, for the character and a tweet from one of the stunting coordinators. That might be nice. That might put a little bit of uh, energy back into it. Hmm. Or we might have another somewhat disastrous season. Anyway, uh, the Doctor Who spinoff series Class will be has confirmed to have a LGBT lead character. So that's happening. Uh, speaking of Doctor Who, Matt Lucas, who was in the most recent Christmas special, will reprise his role in season ten multiple times as production has begun in Cardiff. So yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, uh, Omid. Abtahi has joined American Gods in a role that, as someone who has recently read the book, appears to be a new for the series. 
So basically, it's a new role. I've never never seen the character before. So uh, anyway, uh, Gotham is recasting Poison Ivy for season three, and Joel McHale as well as Sarah Hyland have joined the Hulu science sci-fi anthology series I mentioned before. Oh four. Oh. So that's happening, and that's finally, there is a new Pokemon, and he looks like Donald Trump. Oh no! His power is to build a wall. Pokey dump. <laughs> Uh, during Nintendo's E3 presentation for Pokemon Sun and Moon, screens for the game showed a pocket monster by the name of Young Goose uh, with a distinct uh, hairstyle that's similar to Donald Trump's. You'll Pokemon love this fan. Po- you are going to love this Pokemon. His powers are going to be huge. Huge, I tell you. Everyone's going to love this Pokemon. He's going to build a wall. He's going to build a wall. You're going to build a wall. You're going to build a wall. Just, just... Uh, Pokemon fans and gaming trolls alike uh, instantly took to social media to voice the comparisons of the little credit to the presumptive Republican nominee, as well as various jokes that went along with it. I don't know about you or whoever you're supporting for the elections, but I, for one, am voting for Young Goose in 2016. So what is his power? Wait, wait. Oh, my God. He's separating. His hair became Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Oh I, man! I gotta, what what was wonder what 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 he evolves into? Donald Trump, <laughs> Trump goose. I don't guess. He, he, he builds oh. towers. <laughs> He's a rock Pokemon. <laughs> anyway, for Gotta more news and commentary, yes, exactly. For more news and commentary from the from the Nerdy Venoms, check us out on Twitter at Five Nerdy Venoms. That's F I V E Nerdy Venoms. Or our Facebook page, Facebook.com. Slash five nerdy venoms again. F I B E nerdy venoms, and that is your news for this uh, basically Wednesday morning. Good morning <laughs> to you. Just about, just about. I got watch it. I'm on the phone, so I have to uh, watch before I turn to a pumpkin at twelve with my with my phone going off. Some reason, you know. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's it. Let's cut the show. That's it. I hope you audience out there, I hope you really appreciated it and appreciated the time that Joseph Malagi had given us as yes. far as uh, the interview and stuff. Joe, again, we thank you so much. This was a great, this was a great oh, this episode. Was, this is a lot of fun. Let's, let's do it again sometime. We don't even have to discuss uh, Dark Matter and Stargate. We can hey. uh, talk comic books and uh, anime next time. You just called so listen. Either so listen. So listen, Joe. That that number that you dialed in, you can dial that anytime Tuesday night or actually this Thursday is uh time to game money. All of us are gonna talk about anime and comics and games and stuff. That's the show. Um anytime you want to dial in. Just dial in and uh You have well, money appreciated. I will. I will take you up on your offer. Join conversation. In fact, you could join the podcast if you want. <laughs> hey, become a Venom. You can be a nerdy Venom. We'll think of a name for you and everything. Yes. Oh, that would be awesome. Man, just call back next week. <laughs> we'll give you a name that night. For you guys listening out there, uh, uh, Joe, what's your Twitter handle again? Uh, Baron Destructo. Baron Destructo. The best one ever. At Baron Destructo. Also, you can find uh, these guys. You can find MDog957, Ali underscore C, Howard Toby, Illuminous, who wasn't here tonight, uh, Jonathan J. Stone Zero, Real Lord Dalek, Phil Regan underscore Uno, another uh, Venom missing in action, 
Uh, Sharita 22, our silent wonder. Archie Mana, who is uh, busy in D.C. doing an event. And, of course, Five Nerdy Venom for all your nerdy news. F-I-V-E Nerdy Venom. And me, Geek Soul Brother. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Google+. Plus. Got my YouTube channel. I'll be throwing up Warcraft and uh, Conjuring YouTube reviews soon. Some top tens and all of that. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and that's it. You guys go to GeekSoulBrother.com. Reviews and trailers and hit that donate button. That's that. Don't hate <laughs> That's that don't hate button. Uh, drop a little change in there so that we can keep on going and give great reviews that Joe gave us tonight. Joe, again, thank you so much. Thank and, you uh, guys very much. Yeah, yeah come on again anytime. Thank you, definitely. And uh, for you guys that's listening, that's it. We'll see you later. Peace. Peace. All right. Loved it. And I got to go. You got to go. We all got to go. Let's cut the call while we're uh, while we're. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.